Coming up, he's the archer of infamy and the brand new NXT North American champion. Damian Priest joins the show as ATB starts now. Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves. I am still not caught up on sleep. It has been a wild couple of weeks within the WWE universe, inside the WWE Thunderdome. Barely had a chance to recover from SummerSlam, and it was marching onward to Payback. And I think I'm entitled to my opinion nowadays. I'm going to go on record and say I thought Payback was actually better than SummerSlam. I thought SummerSlam was awesome. It was the first pay-per-view inside the Thunderdome, which I can't get over how amazing it truly is. Uh, But Payback, I don't know if anyone really knew what to expect, and I think it kind of blew expectations out of the water. Top to bottom, a really fun night. Still can't get over the amazing finish to the women's tag team match. Shayna Baszler tapping out Sasha and Bayley. Uh, That was awesome. There are very few things that I feel like I've never seen inside of a wrestling ring. And Shayna Baszler provided one of those at Payback. So uh, thanks for that. And by the way, in case you hadn't heard... Uh, the big dog back on top of the universe. Roman Reigns, your new universal champion. Controversy all over the place. No one's really sure what to make of it yet. But when we went off the air at Payback the other night, I said something to the effect of uh, there's a tangible feeling of change. Like we're entering a new era. And I meant that. Hopefully I'm right. Hopefully for everybody's sake, the fans, the guys and girls that bust their in the ring. Hopefully this is the start of a new era, something to be excited about as a WWE fan. It can only mean good things. Fingers crossed. As I'm sure you've all heard by now and remember, I was able to call NXT TakeOver 30. I'm still excited about it, which means I'm still excited about my guest right now. He's the North American champion. You can see him Wednesday nights, Damian Priest. These are my favorite episodes of ATB to do because you're a dude who I've known in some capacity for quite some time. We bumped into each other once in a while, uh, but I never actually got to sit down and have a full-blown conversation with Damian Priest. So I'm I'm genuinely stoked. So uh, thanks for joining me. Man, same here, dude. Like, seriously, I really am. I remember hearing about you for the first time. What really caught my attention was I was reading a website or results or something. And I went, who's this dude on the Indies that named his finisher after a Slayer song? So I was immediately <laughs> drawn to, to uh, what you were about. But I, I think we were in Connecticut or somewhere at a, an indie show. And I, I met you briefly and chatted. But there's a lot to learn and not a lot of time. So run me through uh, the beginnings of Damian Priest. How'd you get into the business? What, what really drew you to it? Man, just, I mean, like most guys like and girls, like I was a huge fan. You know, uh, I remember I lived in Puerto Rico when I was uh, really young. And I remember watching it in Spanish and in English. And, and I just being enamored and loving the idea of these guys being more than larger than life, you know, like superheroes for, you know, like real life superheroes. And I don't know, since I was a kid, I was like, I'm supposed to do that. You know, like right. I, I have to do that. And then, you know, I trained in fighting and I, and I thought that was going to be my career for a while. And uh, as I was getting older and then and I found myself at a crossroads, I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, and a buddy of mine that I went to high school with, he, you know, pretty much told me, he's like, Hey, we used to always joke about this wrestling thing. Well, let's do it. <laughs> you know? And I was like, yeah, but what do we do? Do we just show up and be like, we're here to <laughs> here wrestle? <I> am. <laughs> you know, I had no idea. I didn't know what indies were or anything. I, I, all I knew was WWE. That's it. You know, and obviously like other companies as well, like but on TV wrestling, I didn't know anything else. And uh, well, he went, he did the homework and he found a school in, in South Jersey and 
you know, just went, tried out, paid a tuition. And that's how I started. Um, but, and then I obviously kind of transformed and, and morphed into a hybrid of with my martial arts and stuff, but I also always wanted to get the rest of me involved with it. You know, whether like I love rock and heavy metal and then, you know, horror movies and, and, you know, all that. And I just like, I wanted that to all be me because it was me. And I wanted to present that everywhere I went as much as I could, at least. What sort of fighting did you train in prior to uh, wrestling? Goju. Uh, it's a Japanese style of, of karate. Oh, okay. Basically, and, and it sounds funny this way because the movies, you know, looking back now, they're a little cheesy, but the Karate Kid was uh, Okinawan Goju. You know, oh, that okay. was the style that Mr. Miyagi taught, which is kind of funny, but... All right. Yeah. All right. So so once you get your foot in the door, you go to wrestling school, as many of us do. What kept you going during all this? Uh, was it, did you have like odd jobs, side gigs, or did you kind of jump right in? Nah, yeah. <laughs> Negative. You know, you know how it goes. Uh, a lot of odd jobs, you know, yeah. a lot of clubs, a lot of clubs. Uh, so, the you know, the nightlife was, that's also real. I mean, I've been used to it since I was 19 years old. I've been working in bars and clubs and everything in between. And it worked every single position that you can imagine in, the, in the, that industry. And I did that just to pay for training and, and pay to wrestle because you know how it is in the Indies, especially when you're starting out. You're paying to wrestle. Yeah, that's right. You know, it costs you. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah, it costs. Forget about gear and stuff, which you usually have to borrow when you start off. Yeah, unless yeah. you already have money, you know. But if you don't, like I did not, it was my first year was borrowed, boots borrowed, everything. No music, <laughs> you know. But yeah, but that's what I had to do to just kind of stay above water. And I did that till about 2014. I was like that. I remember in 2014, I had my last tryout with the company, uh, which they didn't sign me at the time. And they said, there's nothing for you right now. And I remember, you know, a lot of nights just not being able to eat because I couldn't afford and, and getting letters of eviction notice and having to go and deal with that and trying to, you know, like I said, stay above water. So I finally caught a break. And a lot of it, it was my own fault. You know, uh, I kind of coasted for many years in this business because, you know, being a bigger guy, you just hear, oh, you're going to be fine. You're going to make it. Right. That's totally not what I needed to hear. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's why I got out of shape. Uh, and when I mean out of shape, I think at my heaviest, I was closer to 360. Zero muscle. Zero time in the gym. It was straight <laughs> out of shape. Yeah, I lost over well over 100 pounds. Uh, by the time I met you, I already had dropped uh, over 100 pounds. Wow. And that was like the start of the transformation. And then everything obviously worked out. What flipped that switch for you? What what happened that you decided that you really had to get it in gear? Bro, I had a sweet job, right? Like when you talk about the party job, I was running one of the most popular clubs in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Okay. And not only was I finally getting a steady paycheck, but I had a free apartment on the boardwalk, a penthouse apartment that Al Capone used to live in. Wow. They gave me a company vehicle. I mean, this was to me coming from trying to just pay rent, you know, and trying to just buy myself a meal to this. Uh, I had it, but because I was still doing, you know, the, you know, here and there, I had to leave or come in late because, you know, these little indie shows. Uh, one of my bosses one day came up to me and said, hey, you know, you do a great job here. We want to keep you on board. We want to give you more responsibility, but we just need you to stop that wrestling thing you do. And I don't know why, but without hesitation, I mean, zero hesitation. I was like, oh, yeah, you have my two weeks notice. <laughs> but then it kind of hit me after I said that. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, what did I do? <laughs> it was like, wow, if, uh, if I'm going to do that, then 
yeah, I can't hold anything back. I really have to go all the way in on this because, you know, I, I can't just be like, hey, never mind. I was kidding. I want to come back. You yeah. Know, there's that stuff. Yeah. You made your bed, man. <laughs> right. Fortunately, man, it, it ended up in the long run working out, but it was scary at first. But that's that was like the the flip right there. It was like when I said those words, I was like, OK, then I really got to do this. And then it was just eating clean. I actually got a, a gym membership and then would train at different wrestling schools just to get better and get more reps. And I really, really upped um, in the previous 10 plus years that I was in the business. I had never worked this hard uh, that I did in like a two year span. And, and I really think that that's, and also the people I surrounded myself with, you know, I got away from a lot of negative people, a lot of people that were just, they were coasters like uh, what I was doing. And I right. surrounded myself with more positive, influential people that really want to see, not just for me, but for themselves, they want success so that you kind of feed off of that. That was the moment that I kind of flipped that, sw- that switch. And, and I decided to change my life for the better, because I'll be honest, I don't even know if I'd be around on this planet anymore, let alone being successful in this business, just because of the life I was living at the time. I was reckless, out of control. Uh, it was it was definitely a downward spiral for a couple of years. I, I can relate. I, I've been in that same business in the past and I, I know how it's a lot of fun, but it's not sustainable. I think. <laughs> At the time, you think you're having the best time of your life. And I look back now and I'm like, oh, my God, like this is fun. Success is fun. You know, uh, actually, yeah, being positive and smiling all the time and just enjoying good energy. That's fun. What I was doing back then was just passing time. And I I always like anybody always asks me for advice or anything like that. Or I go back to one of my old training schools. Uh, I always tell that to everybody, man, don't waste your own time because this is our dream. Nobody's going to live it for us or dream it for us. We got to do it for ourselves. So, yeah, <laughs> thank God it worked out. Yeah, man. Amen. You put in the work and you, you got the desired result. It's funny in NXT, particularly nowadays, where it's almost like there's so many familiar faces because everybody has similar backgrounds, whether it be from the independents or, or you just kind of know each other. Are there any guys that you're with in NXT now that you were close with or helped you along the way uh, prior to WWE? There's a few. Yes. I mean, I, I know a lot of the guys that we've worked together, maybe weren't so much like best friends. Right. But a lot of guys like I worked with Cole in the past and Roddy, basically on the speeder era. <laughs> oh, OK. The ring, the ring, you spent time in Ring of Honor. Yes. Yeah. So like there's a lot of guys there that we work together and we spend some time around each other. One of my best friends in the world is Matt Riddle. So, oh, OK. You know, I helped train Matt, you know, at the Monster Factory for a while. So we, we, we formed a bond in those years that we were together. and then. We just, cause we were actually a team in the Indies for a little bit. Okay. And then that kind of, then he left to come here. I went to ring of honor and then I ended up here anyway. And then it was cool because then it was like, we picked up right where we left off. And we're always like, especially while in his time in NXT, we were, you know, always together every road trip and in the locker room, you know, we were <laughs> inseparable, but it was, so that he would be the closest. And Keith Lee is also one of my best friends in the business. Like, uh, again, met him in ring of honor originally. Um, but we we really got close in uh, NXT. Um, just same mentality, same drive, same passion, and same positivity. And uh, the three of us together were were always like a unit, almost. You know, where when, when we have to like room together, it's always like a pair of the three of us. So uh, those are my closest dudes. But now it's cool because 
like you said, you know, we, we cross paths sometimes. And then, but if you don't really work with somebody in the ring, you don't really gain that friendship or respect. Right. Here, even though I got along with a lot of guys in the past, I feel like now there's like a closer bond. Uh, there's there's really something to that, especially in NXT. I can't speak for the other brands because I don't work in, you know, there. So I, I can't opinionate on Raw and SmackDown. But as far as NXT goes, there really is a, a, a thing as a bond. Like not everybody has to hang out with each other all the time. But when we're around each other, there's just like that commitment to success that we all share. Uh, and it's pretty special. It's kind of cool. And, and it motivates each one of us to be better. And uh, I think that's neat, man. Yeah, I, I agree, man. There's definitely something about just NXT as a whole. Once you put in the work there and you put in the time there, that is, there is a bond. As, as you said, not everybody's best friends with one another. You're still going to find yourself at odds from time to time. But there's a reason that I asked Hunter to come back and just be part of TakeOver in any capacity because I'm like, man, there's still that. And, and Kevin Owens is also notorious for it. Anytime there's anything going, KO is constantly texting the boss saying, hey, you need anything? Can I come fill in? And it happened with War Games last year. What was it like for you spending as much time as you did on the independence and having a, a pretty high level of success for the from the indies to now step into the machine of WWE? It's cool. So I think everybody's experience is different and it depends how you see yourself and where do you see yourself. For me, I always saw myself here. Um, so like, you know, there is a, a thing, indie style. That is a thing. Sure. Yep. So I always try to, of course, I'm in the indies. I have to do that. but there was always a part of me that said, but I don't want to just do this. I want to be like those guys there. So I always, always looked at the very successful people in this business, like in this company, you know? So in those years, like I would look at edge, you know, and guys like Randy and you know, the, the guys I'm, I'm trying to pick, well, you know, these guys are legends now too, but obviously Taker and you know, all the bigger names, but I would look at them and how they carried themselves the presentation that they would give before they even locked up, before the bell would ring, you know, just everything that encompassed the superstar. Uh, and I always try to implement that with me. Uh, and I think I always stood out a little bit because of that, uh, as far as like, oh, okay, he's not just like every other guy here that comes out with kick pads and, and does a bunch of stuff. You know, I, I had a full presentation. And I remember when I got hired here, that was one of the first things that Hunter told me. He was like, dude, he was like, there's no shortage of good wrestlers. He goes, everybody here is good. That's why they work here. Right. He goes, but he goes, so me hiring you, that's just me hiring. You know, I could hire anybody for, if I wanted to hire a good wrestler, he goes, you, he, it was the idea of something special with you. He goes, that's what I saw. And that's why I brought you in because I really don't believe that we could do something even more with you that you've never been able to do before. And I thought that was cool. Um, because that meant that obviously something I did work, you know, outside of just in-ring performance, you know, it was the idea of what I can be, not just what I am. And, uh, and I appreciated that. And, and I, and I like that here, you know, for many years in the Indies and, and other companies that I work for, it's always been, you know, they've always asked me, Hey, we, we we're looking to for this role. We, what we think you could fill it. Okay. You know, you're never going to say no. Right. Like, yeah, right, sure. Right. I'll play this. I'll play that. And, and then I came here and, and then it's, Hey, we just need you to be yourself. And I was like, what? <laughs> I don't know how to do that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, so talk to me about that, though. You say you don't know how to be yourself, but it sounds ridiculous. But in this environment, it's tricky, man. It, it, it sounds like, of course, everyone says, oh, you got to be yourself with the volume turned up. That's the old wrestling trope. What does that it's mean? It's not easy. Yeah, it's not easy to figure that out. So how did, how did you develop what has grown into the Archer of Infamy in this whole presentation you have now? So... Uh, Hunter and Sean have both been on me 
since I got here, basically. Give us more you. They're like, you're, we get along with you. We like the person. Do that, you know? Yeah. And for me, and I, I thought I was, but I was still pretending. I was basically at first, even when I first uh, debuted as Damien Priest, I was still pretending to be what others thought I am, you know, like somebody else's view of me. So I was just doing that. Mm-hmm. So I didn't realize I was still pretending. I was just pretending to be me, which, if that makes sense. And even when I would speak, you know, like now I'm obviously now it's a little different, but at first, uh, when I would speak, I felt like I had to, that red light goes on promo voice, you know, <laughs> character voice, right. you know, so then it's, you know, <laughs> you know, I had to make my voice as deep as possible. And, and then I remember, uh, again, Hunter and Sean just being on me about that. And one day it finally clicked like, like other things I've put in the past where Hunter came up to me one day and I, I did a kind of promo. Everybody thought it was really good. It was aggressive, serious. Hunter watched it. He goes, that was good. He goes, can you do another one? And I was like, of course. And, he, and then he pulled me to the side. He goes, if you were to bar and you're going to fight someone, would you make a scene? Would you start screaming for everybody to look at you? Or would you pull somebody in close and tell them, let's go outside because I'm going to kick your And I said, I've literally done that. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> and he goes, so where's that guy? And then I don't know why, but that day I was like, I got it. Yeah. And then we reshot it and he texted me while I was in the locker room, which always scares the crap out of me every time I get a message from like one of my superiors because I think, oh, it's happening. I'm yeah, out of here. The dread getting those 203 texts, no matter who they follow. It's like, oh no, what's this about? Right. I always think I'm in trouble for some reason. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, I look at my phone and he goes like, that's what I wanted. Just you. And I was like, okay, cool. And now, and especially after my match with Finn Balor, like that's when I really like got in the zone and just let loose. And then I haven't, I haven't looked back and so far so good. Uh, everybody seems to be happy with what I'm doing. Clearly it's working since I'm <laughs> the North American champion now. Right. And, and I'm having a lot more fun, man. Like I really am all the smiling, uh, the swagger and all that stuff. That's all real. I'm not pretending. I'm not trying to turn it up just because the red light is on now. Like I'm really enjoying everything about it. Like, like everybody was asking me about that hot tub scene. Yeah. I, I take over. Bro, there was nothing fake about that. Like I jumped in with my gear. Like, I, I, that's what I saw when it aired. I went, he didn't even take his boots off. <laughs> that was the wrestler in me going, what's he doing? Right before there was a part of me that was like, man, I should probably just put some shorts on or something. Just just because <laughs> I just got this gear made and it's pretty sweet. Right. <laughs> and gear ain't cheap. But yeah. then there was that. What do I, like what I just told you before about what I was trying to do when I first started was encompass everything about my life that I love and use it. Love the rock star lifestyle. Really, I really do. And then, you know, like rock stars, they were just at a party just jumping with their clothes, right? While playing. Yeah, yeah you're right. So that was me. That's why I was like, this is my rock star moment in that sense. And uh, no regret. And as a matter of fact, I didn't get out of the hot tub till halfway through the main event. <laughs> <laughs> they should have done a double box. Like they were checking in on no priest still in the tub. <laughs> now, that would have been a hell of a watch along, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what's it been like for you now? Obviously, we're taking steps uh, away from the no crowd and now you've at least got the NXT and the PC talent around the ringside. How much of an adjustment was it for you coming from the Indies and then stepping into the NXT crowd and, and the WWE bubble and then all of a sudden it's gone? Yeah, that, that was, yeah, that was rough, man. Especially, you know, I'm performing some of the biggest crowds I've ever performed in and 
some of the loudest and rowdiest and coolest fans that I've ever performed in front of and gone. It's easy at first to say, we're still going to go out there and do our job, you know, like we've been out there before. It's easy to say, you know, and then I, I would try to convince myself too. It's like, how many training matches have I had in front of nobody? But it's different. It really is. Right. We know the business is about that fan interaction and, and that emotion because that's what we do. We try to evoke emotion good or bad, and then we feed off of the emotion that, that we're getting back. And without it, it's, you know, at times I feel lost. Like, I don't know if what I'm doing is working. I don't know if I look silly or, if I'm, you know, or if I don't know if I'm pretending or not. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm not, uh, yeah. It, 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 was, it was an adjustment. But the more you do it, the more you get used to it, and then it becomes second nature to just, just be yourself and just do what you're going to do anyway. And I think that adjustment, and that's not just me. I guess you can see it across the board. Everybody's kind of adjusted pretty. I mean, that's why it's where we work here, right? Like this place has the the best town in the world. That's where I'm at now where I'm just, you know what? Whatever happens, happens. Just go out there and do whatever you can to the best of your abilities. And I think that's where everybody's mindset is now. So that's why everybody seems to be succeeding at the moment. But yeah, at first, again, it was easy to say, we can just a job. Let's go out there and do our thing. And then you're out there and it's like, uh, I don't know what to do. <laughs> you know, I don't know. If this, again, and it's mainly because you don't know if it's working. You don't know if this was the right decision to do this, to do, to go for this thing and with this timing. And it's a lot. And I think, I think people don't realize as how hard it really is. Uh, well, when you, when you remove the crowd from the scenario, to your point, you don't know what works. Some of the biggest things, parts of our business have been a direct result of just getting a crazy reaction from the fans. I mean, first thing that comes to mind is the rocks people's elbow. He did it as, as a rib in a match and it got a reaction. And next thing you know, you it's, now? it's crazy. I, I guarantee you. I mean, if the rock ever tried that in the performance center in NXT, he probably got fired, <laughs> but, but, the, right. but the crowd just took to it. And it was, I mean, he's the most electrifying man in entertainment now as a result. So I, I could completely relate to, the, to the, the, the jitters and the butterflies of not knowing how things work. Uh, you mentioned earlier about the, the, the music and movie influences in your in your life as a person, thus into a character. Um, who are some of your favorites? Who are some of your biggest? Like, as far as bands? As far as bands or musicians or movies, there are things, things that you draw from particularly to, to make you gotcha, gotcha. So music-wise, you know, and I remember having a, a conversation with Hunter about Damien Priest, right? Me. And he was, like, I, he was like, I want you to be you. He was like, did you watch Dirt? He asked me, you know. Bobby Brew. And I was yep. like, of course I watched it. I watched it as soon as it came out. <laughs> he goes, that's what I want. And I was like, yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, you're supporting this? Okay. Right. I'm like, we have permission to just party and have a good time. Yeah. You know, obviously within reason, but right. yeah. And he was like, yeah, he goes, have a good time. And I was like, say no more. You know, that, that was awesome. So it's, so that has a lot to do with it, you know, but then music influences, like obviously, I, I name moves after bands like the Choke Slam, the South of Heaven Choke Slam. You know, when Darkness Falls used to be the name of one of my dives, you know, from Kill Switch Engage. You know, but Metallica obviously would be the number one. I mean, it's kind of hard to say anything's better. Right, right. They're so metal. And metal. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I'm way too long of a list of bands that I that I like and stuff. But, it, but I, I just love good rock and heavy metal that makes me feel something. Yes. You know, and most most of the iconic bands that you would think of are those, you know. And then a lot of inspiration I get from movies as well, you know, whether it's superhero stuff. I love all superhero stuff. 
uh, with Damien Priest, like with my original vignettes that aired, a lot of them were influenced by the movie Queen of the Damned. Like basically when he first shows up and the, the band's playing in the, in the garage and he's laying on top of the speakers, we filmed this, something similar where I'm laying on top of some top in, in a club, you know, and I got that. I have to, I have to tell you now that I have you, uh, the first time I saw those vignettes, whenever you, right before you arrived in NXT, I was so pissed because I pitched something similar when I was still wrestling in NXT. Cause I was doing the whole Pearl of the underground kind of, you know, that, that scene. Yeah, yeah. I remember. And, and I remember talking to Dusty Rhodes and Dusty loved the ideas, but we just never got them made. I, I found this, this little, little hellhole bar in Tampa. And I'm like, this would be perfect. It had the red lighting. And I'm like, it just feels sleazy. And, and this is what I want to do. And Dusty was all in on it. And it, for one reason or another, it, it you know never came to fruition. So when I saw you got it, I was like, damn it. <laughs> well, I'll be honest with you, man. I mean, that's from a place of love. It was so cool. Uh, yeah, in the same place uh, that it's coming from, I'll be honest, I'm glad they chose not to do that with you. <laughs> so I can <laughs> yeah, and those those were a trip, dude. Like, we're we're downtown, and, like, I'm literally walking around in a mesh shirt, hair down, sunglasses. Like, yeah, just like you would see me, I'm walking around with a camera crew following me. We didn't, like, rent out any space or any of that. So we're walking through nightclubs with the crew and everybody's just like, what the, what's up with this? Like, what is going on right now? So then of course girls are trying to get it on and it's working on me. It, it was awesome. So then I, I mean, it turned into like a, a party while we were filming the yes, I had a great time. I'll tell you that. Much. Oh, that's awesome. But yeah, but that was like one of the things. And then there's a, another part of the vignettes where I'm walking through and there's people dancing or moving and I'm just walking straight through the dance floor. I got that from Blade when he's yes. just walking through that scene and everybody's moving crazy and he's just walking a straight line and i always thought that was so cool that you know that imagery and uh so i wanted that obviously you know like i have the shirt on now the crow the lost boys I, I i get so many uh different inspirations and i'll just take a little bit out i just remember hunter straight out telling me he was like but be careful i don't want people to think you're a vampire and i was like well but, you know that was gonna be a little hard because <laughs> I, that's how i mean it's it's all together you know right. what i mean like Right. I feel like they go hand in hand. So some people are going to be like, is he a vampire? Which I did get a lot, which I was like, believe whatever you want. Yeah. Hey, theater <laughs> yeah, of the I mind, man. As long as you, yeah, as long as it's cool, I could care less what the opinion is of, um, like, is he, a, is he a party boy? Is he a vampire? Is he gothic? Is he evil? I'm all of it, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm all of the idea of it. You know, it doesn't have to be literal, just like the Archer of Infamy. It's the idea of what it is. It's what it, the idea of what it represents. It's, archery is something that's been around since the beginning of time. It's something that has lasted the test of time. And in every movie or anything futuristic, somehow there's still archery involved, you know, whether it's yeah. hunting or in war. So that's what I want for me, more for my name. I want it to stand the test of time. So that's where that comes from. It's not that I'm literally going to shoot wrestlers with a bow, you know? <laughs> you know, It's the idea of what it represents. And it's the same thing of me. I'm not an actual rock star. I'm not in a band. But it's the idea of what that lifestyle represents. And that's, I'm so into all that stuff. And, and I, I really am a big fan of all of it. And I'm a fan of archery too. So it, it works. I have two bows. Like, again, it's, it's all stuff that I like. It's all stuff that I've always admired. And I just kind of put them in a pot and, I, I can relate, man. I, I've said a million times, I always make the joke. I only became a wrestler because I couldn't be a rock star. Because that was to me is the closest thing without actually being a rock star was was everything that comes with it and it and, really is and we're not that far off. <laughs> no, it's like I have friends that are you know that have done the rock star thing like they're still in they're in bands and whatnot and it's always it's like the same thing you you're 
paying to perform in essence before you make it like these guys are money out of pocket to go on tour because uh, they're not getting paid by the by venues they don't have fans yet to make money off of so they're just they're money out of pocket and, and, and investing in, in themselves so it's the same i think it's it's very similar path. yeah the, the parallels particularly on independence it's it's yeah. insane. I mean, you got to sell your shirts to make your merch money. Not because you're living well with it, because you're not going to have enough gas to get to the next show if you don't sell two or three t-shirts on top of it, because you ain't making any money. It's crazy, and it's 100% true. I think people forget that side, and they think that it's, we're just trying to make more money. It's, no, 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 we're just trying to make any money Yeah. <laughs> so that we can live another day, basically. To support our wrestling habit is basically what it boils down to. Yeah, basically. When you, when you look across the, the landscape of NXT and beyond, um, what are you looking forward to in the future? Who do you want to step in the ring with? What are you looking forward to working with anyone in particular? There, there's a good list. You know, as far as NXT goes, there's still a lot of guys, even in independence, that I've never touched with, like Adam Cole. You know, we, we've never worked on television, right? And we'd be maybe on some live events here in, in WWE, but never on independence or anything. So that's somebody that I'd like to tear it up with, uh, Ciampa. Gargano, like Gargano in a singles match, you know, like there's a lot of guys that I haven't had the opportunity on TV or takeovers or anything to really showcase something unique. And, and I know we could do something good. You know, we got cross now, you know, and I, I actually look forward to getting in the ring with that dude. His presentation and everything is so cool. I, and I, I'd love to overshadow him. <laughs> <laughs> I love that goal. But I know I do look forward to working with guys like that. And that's here. And then, because he's back to being active, Edge is my number one guy right now that I really would love to work with. It'd be silly not to say Randy Orton, you know, yes. who is the man. Uh, and and then just McIntyre, Rollins, Roman, you know, who I've gotten comparisons a lot for many years. So, and man, there's so many people that I've never worked with. KO, like, this, this is the place. I mean, this is why, another one of the reasons why, because I people that I was a fan of, now I might be able to get in the ring with and showcase something special, not just for the fans, but for me. Absolutely. That this is where the selfishness comes in. I want this for me, you know? I want to be in the ring with these guys. I want to be able to say to myself, like, man, I got to work with this person, like I did with Finn Balor, which, which was extremely special. You know, now I, I, we just got to do it again so I can beat him. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, but that was extremely special to me, you know? And, and finding out that it, he wanted to work with me, that blew my mind, you know? And that's how that kind of came to be which put a lot of pressure on myself because I'm like man this guy wants to work with me if if I go out there and suck he's gonna yeah hey but that, that's you either sink or swim man you jump in the deep right. end and and you you swam I'd rather it that way you know because if I don't belong I don't belong and I'm okay with that because at least I tried right but luckily it worked out for me we had a banger and everybody seems to be happy with it and then that that was like kind of like it propelled me to where I am right now and I'm hoping to continue that momentum, you know, where I could get these opportunities to work with some of these guys that I just mentioned, just because there's so many. It's just like, again, again, this company, crazy the talent that it has, you know, it's wild. No, no. Like we take it for granted, I think, you know, because we don't think about it because we work here. So we're, we're not really thinking about it all the time. But then like in a conversation like this, where I'm starting to name people and I'm like, wow, I could keep going. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I could really, and then when you really think about it, you just named everybody on the roster. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I want to work with everybody, to be honest, you know, because I, I think what, everybody's unique in their own way. So I think we could create something unique and special and, and different every single time. 
you know, and then if there's people that could come back, I mean, obviously the ultimate dream would be the undertaker. Um, since he's the reason why I got in the business to begin with. And I got a few chances to meet him and whatnot and have a conversation. And he's every much he's, they say, don't meet your heroes. Well, I don't believe in that one. Cause I've met a f- quite a few of them and they're awesome. Totally. What does it mean to you? on a human being level to be in the position that you're in now, after all we've talked about from being a lifelong fan and through all the struggles and hardships to be holding that North American championship on a global WWE program at takeover 30. And it's yours, man. What's your, what's that moment feel like? You know, it, it, it hits me in waves um, because it's every good and positive feeling that you could imagine and emotion hitting you at once um, for me. You know, I so much, you know, the word sacrifice is used a lot. You know, everybody sacrifices in their own way. We only, we know what it means to ourselves. And I know for me, what I did and what I've done to make it here and and what I've given up um, and the pain I've gone through, I wouldn't change anything. Uh, I am so proud to have people that believe in me, you know, that I earned that, you know, above everything else. Of course, I'm happy that I achieved this dream and everything, but when people you look up to trust you and believe in you, yeah, that's, that's something that, you know, means a lot more um, because you beyond earning it, you know, you, you didn't just earn an opportunity because of circumstance. Uh, you earned it because of being a human being that you are. And, and I really do believe that. And I, and I, I try to instill that in anybody I meet, you know, I try to help anybody I can that's willing to, you know, and it's basically me passing knowledge that I got from somebody else, you know, sure. because I know more than anybody else, which I don't. I learn every day. I study this business every day. I, I seek out critique every day. Um, and, and I've been like that for a while. Um, but yeah, being in the position I am now, it, it's hard to put in words, you know, and at times it's even hard to talk about, to be honest, because I'm not overly emotional, that side of the emotional type of person but when i really start thinking about it and it hits me it, it, it takes me there you know and and it's weird because you don't think to feel this way over something that you should just be happy and joyful uh and trust me there's that but it's just it's humbling really humbling oh awesome man well I've, I've enjoyed watching your journey i'm excited to see where it goes you're doing uh doing nxt very proud i'm enjoying watching everything that you're doing keep doing what you're doing I appreciate that. Hey, real quick. Yes. I, I just remember something. So the first time when we met in that indie show, and I remember being in, it was cool because, you know, I was always a fan of yours and Christian was there. Yes. And I was like, oh man, these guys are here. This is so awesome. And I remember talking to you guys and being like, hey, if you guys get a chance, you know, watch the match, you know, give me some feedback. And I go out there, have the match uh, with Josh Briggs, who's another big guy. Yeah, yeah. I come, I come back and you have like that nod of approval because you wanted to just go out. You wanted us to, you wanted to see some stuff, right? Sure. And we did. And you were like, cool. Like, that's what you wanted to see with like, some of the stuff I can do. And I remember looking at Christian and he completely buried me. He did. He did, <laughs> he did too much. But totally right. He was totally right. And I agreed with everything he said. I understood what he said. It's the first thing he was like, you guys went out there and you did everything. You did everything that everybody else is doing when you had the opportunity to be different. And going back to what I was saying earlier about needing to hear things the right way. You know, granted, yes, I like to hear that that was a good job because we were working for that crowd. But Christian wanted to see something not just for that crowd. He wanted right. to see, you know, just a different. And he was just, 
he was just giving advice, you know, it wasn't like he was being mean. He was just giving advice. But I just remember that. And I was like, oh, wow, that's totally not what I expected. (laughs) (laughs) But it was cool because then he finished the bike saying he was like, don't get me wrong. That was great. And I was like, okay. He goes, but he goes, but just start thinking about little things. It's it's cool that that still resonates, though. Yeah, yeah, I remember that actually. Never Very, forgot. Yeah, I still remember it. Yeah, hey, it's all it's all about the application of the knowledge you get, man. Everyone's got knowledge to drop on you. Do you use it? Do you work with it? Do you grow with it, or do you brush it off? Everyone, you know, everyone's got their choice yeah. to make. But obviously, you uh, you've you've used the right advice to uh, to this point in your career. So uh, keep doing what you're doing. Before I let you go, just because you mentioned them, I'm going to put you on the spot. This is probably the impossible question. Best Metallica song. Oh. Fade to black. Okay. I, I, you won't get any argument from me. This is a, this is a discussion we can continue next time where uh, we have some, some yeah, downtime. Hey, but thank you again, honestly, for bailing me out. It's crazy scheduling things, you know, happened today. You were ready and able to do this. This was fun, man. We need to do it again. You're always welcome here. And I'm looking forward to catching up in person. Absolutely. That means a lot. And in, a, in an emergency spot, I'm glad you thought of me. That means a lot too. You were on the list to get set up for the next round. <laughs> and oh, I was like, that's real cool. maybe we can get priests today. I was like, I don't know. So, so you just jumped the line. I appreciate that, man. So yeah, good luck to you. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you so much. Thanks one more time to Damien Priest for joining the show. I'll throw a little zen at you before I leave, as I do each and every week. Whether or not you use it is completely up to you, but I suggest you do. This is from the great Stoic Seneca, who said, there are more things likely to frighten us than there are to crush us. We suffer more often in imagination than in reality. There's some Zen for you. I'm full of it. Follow at After the Bell WWE on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you want to join the conversation, use the hashtag After the Bell. You're using Apple Podcasts. Send me a nice review. Leave me a whole bunch of stars. It's good for my ego. If you're using an Android, ATVs on Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts, so you never miss an episode, because let's be honest, you need this. We all need this. You can follow me at WWE Graves, and quite frankly, nobody needs that, but you can do it if you're interested. And I will be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol, and more WWE after the bell. 